here tonight. And uh, we are going to start off a brand new series. Who's up for a brand new series? Who likes the fact that we're teaching series at church because we have a theme and a thread that we follow through over a, over a period of weeks. And we've just come out of the whole Rocktober series. Was that a cool series or what? I mean, Rocktober is so much fun because we get to preach off the back of a rock song every single week. And I guarantee from now on, whenever you hear one of those songs played at a party or a wedding or wherever you may be, you are not going to forget the message that you heard in and around that song. Rocktober is one of my favourite series to preach in. Because it's where we just get to have some fun in the house, right? It's a little bit like a family that sits around the table at tea time and we have a laugh and we talk and we have some fun. But just like every family, there are times in my house where I have to say, hey boys, turn off the TV, I need you to listen to me. Just put the controller down because I need you to look at me and, and pay attention because what I want to tell you is really important. And this series that we're going into now, which we have simply called Doing Right Wrong, which I'll explain a little bit about in a moment, it's one of those series. It's where God is going to take us on a little bit of a journey. And it's like he's saying, hey, right now, I just need you to listen up. I've got something I want to deposit, something I want to download into you, and it's kind of important. It's important for you and your personal life and your growth. You know, a good parents, they serve up cabbage as well as candy, right? You give your kids both. You can't give them all sweets and candy all of the time. They've got to have a bit of cabbage and a bit of broccoli, and even though they're pulling the face, it's good for them, right? So here comes your cabbage for this week. So, you know... Each and every week we gather as the church, we get 90 minutes a week to do this. That, that's it, 90 minutes. And out of those 90 minutes, we, we sing some songs, we have praise and worship, we have uh, greetings and announcements, we watch church news, we send our children out, we take up an offering out of those 90 minutes, which leaves approximately 30 minutes for us to do this, and that is open the word of God together. And during these 30 minutes, we teach you and talk to you from what the Bible says. We teach you about who God is. And we teach you that if you apply the words of this book, it can radically transform your life. You know, this book, it has a lot to say about everything to do with what makes your world go round. It has a lot to say about marriage it will teach you from this book how to have a great marriage. From this book, it will teach you parenting skills. It has everything in this book to say about relationships or about your financial situation. It is all found within the book. I can apply the words from this book to my life and see my health improve. In this book, I can learn how to have courage, how to be brave, how to overcome fear. This book will give me answers that the world cannot give me. It will teach me to hope in things that I cannot yet see. This book will set me free from the shame of my past. It's all contained within the writings of this book. It is an instruction manual. It teaches us how to have the blessed life, 
and how to have the best life. This book will teach you how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband. It will teach us how to be good siblings, how to be good children, how to be a successful employee, how to behave right and conduct yourself right as an employer. It is all found in here. This book is meditation and medication, all rolled into one, all bound in one cover. It treats the body, the soul, the spirit, and the mind. Everything that you need is found in this one book. I can probably best explain it like this. You know, prior to supermarkets being on the scene, going to do a family shop was quite a chore. My parents will tell me how their parents would take them shopping and they would have to go to the butchers for their meat. Then they would go to the bakery for their bread. And they would go to the corner shop for the condiments. They'd have to go to the farm to get the vegetables. And the pop man would come down the street with the soft drinks. So just doing the family shop was a full day expedition. And if you went to the bakery at one o'clock and they served the last loaf at 12, when it was gone, it was gone. There wasn't an endless supply in the back. Nothing was pre-wrapped and pre-packed like we have today. If, if the bread had all gone, you went without. It's just the way it was. So when supermarkets first came on the scene, they completely revolutionized the way that we shop. Because all of a sudden now, you can get everything you need all under the one roof. You can go to the supermarket. You can get all of your food. You can get all of your cleaning products. Heck, you can even get furniture and clothes, anything electrical and medical. It's all found under the one roof. And the word of God is very similar. Everything you need for your life is found in the one book. Everything. You don't need to go and try and find your identity in a relationship. You, you, you don't need to, girls, you don't need to have your self-worth validated by a guy. You, you don't need to go and try and find happiness in, in buying more and more stuff. The answer to your problem is not found in the bottom of a bottle. You don't need your future telling by a medium or a spiritualist. You don't know, need to go on a self-help stress management course because everything you need for your life is found within the one book. But my concern is this. My concern is that we think we know what the book says rather than truly knowing for ourselves what the book says. My concern is that we become mimickers of the way other people conduct their lives and think we know what is written in the Word of God. We think we know what the Word of God says about morals and values without actually reading it for ourselves. We think we know what is already written in there. Therefore, we try to live our lives by what we think. And quite often, we end up trying to do the right thing wrong. There was a story a while ago of a young couple that got married. And um, the young wife's cooking a meal for her husband. And she is cooking him a joint of ham. And she chops off the end of the ham and she puts it on the stove and her husband looks at her and says, why do you cut the end off the ham before you cook it? She says, I don't really know, because that's the way my mum 
always cooked ham. So that's what we do. So later on that week, she's talking to her mom and she says, Mom, why do we cut the end off the ham before we cook it? And her mom said, I don't know. It's the way your grandma has always cooked ham. Therefore, it's the way I cooked ham. And that's how we've always done it in our family. But it got the mother thinking. And so later on that week, when she is in conversation with her mother, she says to her mother, why do we cut the end off the ham before we cook it? Granny starts laughing. She says, well, I used to cut the end off the ham because my pan was too small. And my point is this. We mimic what we think Christianity is. We mimic what we think the right way to live is without ever finding out for ourselves what the word of God says the reason you find it difficult to articulate to your friends and your unsaved family why you go to church and why you do what you do is because you've never learned the word of God for yourself. And the word of God is different to any other book that was ever written because it is called the living word of God. And the reason it's called the living word of God is because it is life giving. When you read it, it reads you. When you read it, it begins to answer your issues. It begins to speak to you about your lifestyle. It begins to bring answers into your world that, for questions that nobody else could give you answers to. When you read the word of God, it reads you back. And that is why it's so different to any other book. And so if everything that we need to live a healthy and prosperous life is contained within this one book. Why is it so many of us are muddling our way through, guessing, stressing, and worrying about tomorrow? Well, I believe it's because many of us are trying to do the right thing wrong. We're going about it guessing rather than finding out the truth of what the word says and living by it. And it's for this reason that so many Christians don't stay the course. It's for this reason so many Christians abort their race in life. Many just leave the church, walk away from the faith. I've been going to church for the last five years. I've been a Christian. I've been praying to God and it doesn't make any difference. Nothing changes. My marriage is still in tatters. We're still in debt. What's the point? I don't see the point of carrying on because nothing ever changes. I've gone to church forever. But if I could politely say in the same way that a paracetamol will not fix your headache while it is in the box, on the shelf, in the bathroom cabinet, you have got to go. You have got to read the instruction and you have to take the medication in order for it to have an effect on your life. So too is the word of God. You need to go to the book. You need to read the book. Then you need to apply what the book says to your life in order for it to make a difference. You know, my husband will tell you that I'm a very impatient woman. Okay. I don't like to wait. And so when we buy something new for the house, like a new appliance, for example, I don't want to read the instruction leaflet. I don't want to read the, the, the manual that tells you what to I just want to plug it in and just press everything and try and make the thing work. I'm just like, 
just guess my way through. I have been known to break things even before we've ever got around to using them because I'm just like, shove the on button on and just press everything and let's try and figure out how that thing works. It's my way of trying to do the right thing, but I go about it wrong and it never ends well. When we buy flat pack furniture, (laughs) when we buy flat pack furniture, and I'm sure every woman in the house will be with me on this, I want that thing building the minute we get home. It's like when we've got it out the car and in the hall, build it. But my husband, however, he needs three or four days to muster up the enthusiasm of yet more DIY. And, um, and so I remember buying this, this um, shelving cupboard unit thing for one of the boys' bedrooms. And uh, we got it home and I thought, mm, how, how hard could it be to put this shelving unit thing up? And so I dragged it upstairs and I, um, I didn't even ask Luke for a screwdriver because if I was to ask him for a screwdriver, he would have known what I was up to. So I went to the kitchen drawer and I took out a knife and I was like, yeah, heck, I can build this thing with a knife. No problem at all. I wish you could have seen his face when he came to the top of the stairs and I'm stood on the base of the unit with my right knee supporting this side and the back of my left foot holding up the other side with two pieces of wood in my hand and a knife in my mouth. He was not a happy bunny. He might be slow, but he is meticulous and he is good at what he does. You see, for me, I'm trying to do the right thing the wrong way. And when you try and do the right thing the wrong way, all of a sudden the right thing becomes wrong. And, um, you know, instructions, manuals, they're there for your benefit. They're there to help you achieve maximum results. And ignoring them or trying to wing it without them is nothing but foolishness. They are there to show you there is the correct order in which you must do things to achieve the right result at the end. If you are baking a cake, you might have all the right ingredients, but you put the right ingredients in the mix at the wrong time and it will ruin the entire cake. And all of a sudden, that which was right becomes wrong. Driving a car, we know what all the parts of the car are, right? We know there's a clutch and an accelerator, a steering wheel and a handbrake. But there is an order, there is a process, there is a system in which you operate all of these things. And if you operate them at the right time, in the right order, the vehicle will move forward. You operate them at the wrong time, in the wrong order, you are in trouble. If you try to pull on the handbrake while you're bombing down the motorway, you are in trouble. Therefore, there is a system and there is an order and there's a right way to go about things. Do you know that this world has a system? This world has a system and right now it's teaching our young people that right is wrong and wrong is right. And if you do the right thing at the wrong time, it doesn't matter either. If you do the right thing at the wrong time, it's okay. In other words, our system in this world is teaching our young people that anything goes. But you only have to put on the TV and see the confusion and the hatred that that, that is breeding. Self-harming, self-loathing, eating disorders, 
are running rife in our high schools right now. You only have to be on social media for five minutes to see the moral decay that is eating its way through this generation. Debt and depression are now the norm and the world will offer you another loan to pay off the loan you've already taken out and give you a bottle of pills just to try and help you sleep better at night. And do you know that right here in this room, right now, is God's answer to the planet's problems? You and I are God's answer to the planet's problems. You see, we have a responsibility. We can't fake it till we make it, because if we do, we are going to be ineffective to what God wants to do here on planet Earth during this time. This is why I speak to you with a sense of urgency, because this is our hour and this is our time. And you know, when we've all gone, there will be a whole new raft of people upon the earth who will then get their shot to make a difference in the community, in the city of Liverpool. But do you know that God knew you before you were born? God knew who you were and he set you aside and he decided that 2018 was the right time for you to be this age and to be in the um, environment and the situation that you are in right now. He said, these are my best people on the planet for this time zone. And therefore, he's waiting for some of us to, to take the word of God into a very confused world and make a difference. You see, it's not just about your life and knowing what the book says about you, but when we read the book, we will, we will lead many to Jesus. But if we fake it till we make it, and we just go about guessing what the word of God says, then we failed because nothing will change. Nothing will change in your life and nothing will change in the lives of those around us, in our community, in our, in our area, in our setting. And so you can be a Christian for the next 10, 15, 25 years and nothing in your life can ever change unless we first take the word of God and learn to apply what it says. You know, it displeases God when we don't take him serious at his word. It displeases him. You know, when we, when we um, just try to fudge our way through, when we try to guess it, when we get all hyped on a Sunday in all the great praise and worship songs, and then we go off on a Monday and we just go back to living how we always live, it displeases God. In fact, this is how God would describe us if we were living life like that in Revelation 3.16. He says, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That is a very powerful statement. That is a very descriptive sentence right there. You see, when somebody spits, it's because what is in their mouth is distasteful and they just want to get it out. What is in their mouth is vile to them and they just want to get it out. And what God is saying here is if you are hot for me, if you are leaning in and learning from my word, that is good because I can use you and I can do something through you. Or if you are cold, in other words, you're in church for the first, second, third time, you have never known anything about God. You don't really know what the Bible says. God says, that's okay. 
because I'm going to do something for you. But if you fall in the middle, it's called complacency, by the way. When we profess to be a Christian, but nothing changes because we don't take the word of God and apply it to our lives and live out what it's saying, God said, I don't want to know because you're trying to do the right thing wrong. I think one of the best examples of somebody trying to do the right thing wrong is a story that's found in the book of Chronicles. And it was when David tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant, you've heard us speak about the Ark before, but it was a huge wooden chest and it was overlaid with gold and it housed the very presence of God. You see, we live in a New Testament time. When Jesus came to the earth, everything changed and we can now have one-to-one relationship with God. And the way that God is housed, God's presence is housed, is within each and every one of us. We're carriers of the presence of God. But back in old biblical times, God commanded Moses to build this chest. And there were certain things put in the chest and God attached his presence to it. And so the Israelites carried the chest on all of their uh, walkings through the wilderness. And everywhere the chest went, people were blessed. Everywhere the presence of God went, the people were protected. Everywhere the Ark of the Covenant was carried, the people were provided for. And so what happens was we fast forward a few hundred years and um, Israel goes into war with the Philistines. And the Philistines have heard about the Ark of the Covenant and they're terrified of the Ark of the Covenant because they've heard about the Israelites' God. They heard about how he brought down um, judgment upon the Egyptians and, and pestered them with plagues, etc. And so they were terrified of this God that was something to do with this box that they carried everywhere with them. So the Philistines came up with this plan and in their plan, they slaughtered and killed 30,000 Israel soldiers and they also killed the priests who were guarding the Ark of the Covenant and then they took off with the Ark of the Covenant. They kidnapped God. Go figure. But that's what they did. They kidnapped God. They didn't want the Ark for themselves really but they just didn't want the Israelites to have it. But they took the Ark of the Covenant back to their homeland and disaster fell upon them. Everything went wrong for them sickness and plagues and people dying and all sorts and they recognized what was happening so they only had it about seven months and they were like let's get this thing back to Israel so they took it back they only just took it to the borders of Israel and they left it at a guy's house his name was Abinadab and they left the Ark of the Covenant in Abinadab's house and there it stayed for 20 years now King David is on the throne And David is a lover of God. He's a lover of people. He's a worshiper. He loves his city. And David has this idea. And he suggests, let's go and seek out the Ark of the Covenant. Because the whole of the time that Saul was on the throne, Saul, he wasn't bothered about worship and all of that stuff. So the Ark stayed where it was. But David said, let's go and find the Ark of the Covenant. Let's bring it back to Jerusalem. And let's have it here. Let's house it here. And we can use this as a place of worship. And it's recorded in 1 Chronicles 13. And this is what it writes. 
Let us bring the ark of our God back to us. For we have not inquired of it since the days of Saul. This is David speaking to all of the congregation, all of the thousands of people in the nation of Israel. Then all of the assembly, all the gathering of the people said they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. Let's just have a moment before I move on. I want to just highlight that fact, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. David had a good idea. And the first thing he did was go to the people. And all the people got caught up with the hype. And all the people thought it was a great idea. So they all followed the plan through. What they were wanting to do was right. But at no point did David inquire of God. At no point did David go and seek God and say, God, how do you want us to move the holy of holies? How many know a good idea It's not always a God idea. And there is no part of your life that you can exclude God from. In in, uh, verse 7, it says this. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. So they get the ark of the covenant, and they put it on the back of a cart, and the cart is pulled by two oxen, two cows, and Ohio and Abinadab, they drove these cows. Then David and all of Israel played music before God with all of their might, singing and on harps and stringed instruments with tambourines, cymbals and trumpets. I mean, it was going off. You think fuse went off in here? I'm telling you, you ain't seen a party like these boys could have. This is thousands of the nation of Israel with every instrument you could think of, hooping and hollering and praising and worshipping God. But David had done something wrong, which we're about to find out in a minute. And I just want to make this point that no matter how big and how loud and how excited you get, in the atmosphere of praise and worship, your issues are still not hidden from God. And he will still call you into account for your issues. You can't hide or disguise or fudge your way through life just by getting caught up on the hype of the crowd. And so they're having this awesome, awesome praise and worship time. When they came to Chidon's threshing floor, which is just a landmark uh, place in their journey, Yuza put his hand out to hold the ark for the oxen stumbled. So they're going along, the ark of the covenant is on this cart and one of the cows, I don't know, went down a pothole or had a wobble on a stone and as the cow went down, one of the guys puts his hand on the ark of the covenant to stop it from falling. But here's the thing, you can't just casually get hold of the presence of God. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and he struck him because he put his hand on the ark and he died there before God. So the guy who put his hand out to steady the ark is now dropped dead. And David becomes angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day saying, how can I bring the ark of the God to me? In other words, David was afraid of God. He all of a sudden had this holy reverence of God. He was like, I realize now that I can't disguise my issues in the hype, but God is actually angry and I'm afraid of the ark. 
and I don't want to take it any further. So it says that David would not move the ark with him to the city of David, but he took it to one side into the house of Obededon, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obededon in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obededon and all that he had. The problem was, David had never gone to God and said, I have this idea, God, what do you think? David had never even bothered to open the Torah, which is the Bible, the Old Testament part of the Bible, to seek out how it is written that he should do what he is about to do. He just, God was not angry with user. God was not angry about the Ark of the Covenant. God was angry at David's ignorance to follow the instruction that was written in his word. And I began to think, how many times do we just presume God will bless our idea? That I've got a good idea, and this is how I'm going to do it, and this is how I'm going to go about it, and God will just bless what, what, what we have decided. I'm not going to seek God about that relationship. I'm just going to date him because he seems like a good guy. And, and you know, I'll just figure it out as I'm going to go along and I'll decide who I should date and when I should date and what that should look like. And God's a good God and God's a gracious God and he'll help me and he'll just forgive me. But you know, sometimes I think God looks on us and I think God says, you know, you would not have to pray about half the stuff you're praying about if you just opened the word and read it in the first place. If you just picked up the book and read it, you wouldn't be crying about half the stuff you're crying about right now because you'd have put borders and boundaries in your life and you would have gone forward in safety. You see, when the Ark of the Covenant was built hundreds of years earlier, God had given Moses clear instruction. This is the holy of holies. And there is only one way to transport it. And the way to transport it was written in the Torah. Just like we have the Bible today with clear instruction written in it. This is what it said in Exodus 25. This was God speaking to Moses. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet. Two rings on either side and make poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And insert the poles into the rings at the, at, at the sides of the ark to carry it. God said, my presence is to be carried. These carrying poles must stay in the rings in the side of the Ark of the Covenant and never, ever remove them. But we just read that David put the Ark of a Covenant on a cart and was just pushing it around. David was trying to do the right thing and he was doing it the wrong way and it cost him. You see, David just thought it'll be okay if I just put the Ark on the Covenant, uh, the Ark of Covenant on this cart. You see, maybe David thought, it doesn't matter how I do it, just so long as I get the job done. I don't know if any of us have ever had that kind of an attitude. It doesn't matter what kind of a Christian I am, just so long as I go to church and I'm seen to be doing the right thing. Maybe David thought, 
You know, when God wrote those instructions to Moses, it was 500 years ago. Times have changed. Things have moved on. We have carts now. We have wheels now. I'm just going to modernize what's written in the Word of God. I've got an easier fix than carrying it. We'll stick it on a cart and we'll just push and pull that thing around. And it got me thinking when I was writing this message. What is it that God has asked you and I to carry that we've shoved on a cart and we're just pulling around? You know, inside of the Ark of Covenant was the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses, written on two big slabs of stone. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Written. So when the guys had to carry the ark around, they were carrying the weight of the written word of God. You see, when you carry something, you're aware of its weight. When you carry something, you feel the burden of that which you carry. When a pregnant woman is carrying a child, she's aware of that which she carries. She cannot do certain things. She cannot eat certain foods. She cannot do certain physical activities because of that which she carries. She has to check the environment that she's in. Is this environment right? Is it safe for me and that which I carry? Where's my two helpers? You know, as Christians, we've been called to be carriers of the presence of God. As Christians, we've been called to do the right thing the right way. When we put God on a cart, we are compromising what he says in his word. We put God in a cart when we pick and choose from the Word of God the bits we want to follow and the bits we want to ignore. We pick and choose from the Word of God. You know, I don't mind coming to church. I don't mind attending church, but I'm not into that whole tithing thing. Uh -uh, that's just not for me because that was written way back then in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean anything to me today. No, you've just shoved God on a car and you're pushing him around. You put God on a car when you say, I'm, I, I, I'm into church. And all that it brings, and I love the social life, but water baptism, that's just not for me. No, you, you've just shoved God on a cart. You're pushing him around. You're picking and you're choosing the bits you want to follow. You've got God on a cart when you go to life group on a Wednesday and then shamelessly get leglessly drunk on a Saturday because you're not carrying the weight of his word. When it's on a cart, it just has no effect to you. I'll serve God on team on Sunday, but on Monday you'll hear me swearing like a trooper because I've got God on a cart. See, I'm committed to serving in the church, but I'm also committed to sleeping with my girlfriend as often as I can because I've got God on a cart and I'm shoving him around wherever I want to go. But here's the thing. God never asked us to be uh, shovers and pullers and drivers. 
He asked us to be carriers. And we say to God, well, it doesn't really matter because that book is so old. It was written all those years ago. It was written so long ago. It was for the people back then. God understands the way times have changed and everything's a bit different now. I'm just going to modernise things a little bit. You cannot modernise what is written in the Word of God. In Malachi 3, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. Who he is and what he says does not change. We might change the package of church. We might change it. We might put a few bright lights in and we might might modernise the music, but the Word of God is the Word of God and it changes not. You can't modernise it. You can't compromise it. It is what it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. It is wrong. You see, God's Word is your instruction manual for your life. It's your guide for your life. And when you take on board what the Word says, you become carriers of the Word of God. And when you're a carrier, it keeps you in time with other carriers. You become accountable to one another. It's a picture of church. It keeps you in step. When you're a carrier of the Word of God, you can't go off on a tangent on your own because you have a responsibility to that which you are carrying. When you are carrying something, you bear the weight of it. And the weight of it, thank you guys, the weight of it is your conviction. And that conviction will say, you can go here, you can't go there. You can do this, you shouldn't be doing that. When you are a carrier of the Word of God, He'll put people around you to carry with you. David goes on and he brings the Ark of the Covenant back. In the end, he spends the next three months just lamenting over what has happened he starts to seek God. He gets into God's word and he, he, he realizes where he's gone wrong and he prepares the priests and they go back to Obed-Eden's house and they get the Ark of the Covenant and they put the poles back in and they carry it. And this time, true praise and worship went forth and God was pleased. You know, these are not times for us, the church, to be half-hearted about our faith. We can't go about doing the right thing wrong because we have a responsibility to the world out there. We have accountability before God. He's entrusted his word to you and I on this planet at such a time as this. Therefore, we have to learn what the word says. We have to walk in it. We have to apply it. And when you live out what is written in the word of God, you begin to carry what the word of God is. And you're taking a difference into a world that's, that doesn't know right from wrong. When you're a carrier of the word of God, you're carrying truth. And the world sees what you're carrying. And the world will look on your life and go, you're carrying a light. There's a light that comes from your life. And the world will look on and go, my goodness, there is another way. You and I might be the only Bible some people ever read. So let's make sure that what they're reading is right. Church, stand with me this evening. 